Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of the Midlife Pilot Podcast, a show where we talk all things aviation for those who are starting their aviation journey in midlife. We're all about sharing our experiences and the greater community's experiences as a midlifer. So whether you're a student pilot, a seasoned veteran, or just an enthusiast who maybe wants to learn, we're we're glad you're with us tonight. My name's Ben. I'm an instrument-rated pilot here in the Atlanta metro area. I'm currently working on my commercial. Uh, We have with us tonight, Mr. Brian Siskin. Good evening, sir. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Ben? Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Also from the West Coast, flying a plastic egg on a regular basis. Ted, our sport pilot extraordinaire. Hey, Ted. Hey, how you doing? We're good. Yeah. We're broadcasting live on YouTube, usually every Tuesday night around 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can find us at youtube.com slash at Bedlife Pilot Podcast. Uh, you can get the audio only version uh, at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you can support us uh, as little as 25 cents an episode. If you go look in the, there's a link in the show notes where you can uh, support us. All of that goes to help us keep this thing rolling, try to keep our heads above water. We have a merch store that's also will be a link in the show notes, T-shirts, hats, stickers, beautiful pint glass, a bunch of stuff. We'll be adding to it as we go along. And also, last thing, um, you know, we have a great Discord community. Uh, a lot of things get discussed there. Uh, it's a, a great resource for people that are learning or be, uh, sharing your experiences. Send us an email at midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll send you an invite and you can join the fun. How's everybody been doing? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Ted? Yeah. Brian? Well, I'm going to interrupt here because two things. One, it has come to my attention, which this totally makes sense, but there are a lot of, I think it's a mass oversight on our part as the midlife pilot podcast that we assume that midlife pilots or anyone in midlife has any sense of what discord even is (laughs) or what it's for or whether it's something you want to introduce to your life or not. All I can say is it's awesome. It's uh, a community software platform, whatever you want to call it. You can do it web-based or you can install an app. And it's very simple and painless. And yes, just email us at midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com and we will give you the keys to the kingdom. So it should be noticed as the oldest in this uh, trio. If I can do it, I can assure you anybody else out there can. (laughs) It it was definitely one of those uh, where you hop into Discord and you're like, what is this? How do I? How do I use this? How do I reply? You know, it's it's not something that we all uh, that we all use a lot. Uh, Mark is sliding into the the comments there. Mark was was chatting with me, uh, Mark T, uh, and he was like, "I installed the Discord app. I don't know how to get to the midlife stuff." And it's like, "Yeah, I I get it. We're all this is all new to us. We will help you. We will guide you. We'll give you a specific link that just plugs you right in." Uh, all you have to do is email us at midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com. And then yeah. the other thing was, um, you know, 
we have a lot of green room conversations before this thing starts off. That's why our hellos to each other are so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but. Staged. The, the audio audience is our primary audience, but um, by far. And they're not going to be able to see this, but Ben, I'd like you to show everybody at the top of your head again. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Let's see. Um, I'm not responsible for anybody throwing up after this. <laughs> Let me see. To, shoot. I, there you go, Ted. You want to put me? Yeah, I'm trying to remember how to do it. Oh, we don't have to. This is fun. <laughs> okay. There you go. We can use nice, our imaginations. Uh, did, did, yeah. Were you able to see it? Yeah. So a, does anybody in the chat have a guess as to why Ben has a gash on the top of his head? This is uh, midlife and aviation related. This is both. It is. Um, if you've ever pre-flighted a Cessna 182, you know that one of the procedures is, is you put the flaps down. And I'm sure you do that in a lot of other airplanes. And uh, it was raining as uh, I had completed the pre-flight. Everybody was ready to go. And um, yeah, I was kind of running and I really cracked my head on top of that. And with so much force that it threw me back and I, I was landed flat on my back afterwards. Uh, I was safe, yeah. but my brother-in-law was me flying right seat. Uh, Juliet Echo Foxtrot, we call those Cessna stars because you're usually <laughs> your head on one of those. But yeah, it um, it's got me thinking maybe a low wing would be better. <laughs> I don't think it would happen, but I've been um, wearing, I wear a headset for work for all the Zoom and Teams meetings and I very gently have to put my headset on my head so I don't <laughs> hit, the, hit the cash that's up there. <laughs> But yeah, it um, it's uh, the midlife thing to do. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. The eye roll I got from my wife um, was probably the loudest eye roll in our 26 years of marriage. So <laughs> nice. Uh, I think, but also I'm building a case to buy a low wing. So maybe that you know, <laughs> will be further proof. Uh, and it's funny, uh, Jody just put a, a comment in the chat. How's the plane? Uh, and I'm, I haven't told you guys this. I am not kidding about it. When we landed and we retracted the flaps, it was still down a little bit. It was like one degree down. It wasn't perfectly flush with the rest of the <laughs> So we're getting the old change in there and he's going to reset the flat limiter. Thanks. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Quite, wow. quite the noggin you got there. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, so yeah. Uh, some would say that maybe I knocked a little bit of sense in my head. Who knows? <laughs> How was y'all's Thanksgiving? It was good. I uh, uh, We had kind of amazing, unseasonably clear weather. And so I went out flying on two of the days and I was going to go out. A, I thought about going out a third day. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done. And my, my wife was like, really? You're not flying? So like, yeah, I know this is this is unusual. But I went out on, on Thanksgiving Day and went to what, I'm, what I think is the smallest Sifra in the U.S., um, it's, uh, the second oldest airport in the U S it's V U O. And, uh, uh, there weren't many people up, but they were, people were having a, you know, having a good time. Um, 
it's it's underneath PDX, which is a class C, underneath PDX's airspace. And so the tower comes on and talks as an advisory, and you have to check in with PDX Tower, even though it's um it's a, an untowered field, you know, pilot controlled field. So uh, I've got a little clip here of of uh, another pilot talking to the tower from that uncontrolled one. Wait, person advisor for you. Advisory Cardinal three four six two two. Just want to give everybody there a shout out on the tower. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Three six two two. Roger. Thanks. Same to you. We're having a good time at uh, Turkey and all the Texans. So it's been a decent day to work. That is it. All right. Six oh two. Nice. I, I like that at the very end when I was editing that. Was, he's like, "All right." Like, there's this little bit of, like the surfer sound in there that I that I hadn't noticed <laughs> when I did it. But yeah. So then it's I went good back to know over the my, people in the tower. It's good to know people in the tower are still getting the fixins. The fixins are important. They have to work on Thanksgiving Day. It's nice that, that it's at least relaxed. So yeah. I went back over to my Delta and landed. And then when I was on ground, I asked them kind of if they have anything. And here's that. Uh, Charlie 2, Grunt 2, Robin. How do you have high up there? Say again? Uh, do you have high up there? Uh, we do have a pie up here. Thanks for asking. Good. I hope you have a good day. The Pete Crumb Pie. Oh. Ha <laughs> ha. Nice. So it's like touring towers and asking what the food they have. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a good way to like crash tower food, right? I wouldn't have expected peach crumb pie in Portland, Oregon. No, not at all. Yeah. Georgia, yes, surprising. but not here. Not there. Yeah. Yeah. I like how at first he was sort of like, wait, what are you talking about? What? <laughs> yeah. You're asking me human things, not airplane things. Yeah. What no, What yeah. non-standard conversation are you trying to start while I'm trying to eat pie? <laughs> how dare you interrupt me? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. um, part of what we wanted to talk about tonight uh, was the build-up to your solo experience, your pre-solo and your solo experience. We got a little bit of feedback uh, from some listeners. Some of the uh, one of the feedback was, you know, getting the jitters. What, mm. what makes you nervous, and and how do you get over it? Um, and we thought, and someone else said, I think had written in. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, asking to talk about this. Do we want to read those? I don't have them pulled up, but I can probably do so very quickly. Um, but I was going to start us off because I had a bit of an unusual pre-solo leading up to solo experience. Um, I had a bit of an issue with my medical. And it took a very long time to get it, uh, get it through. So I wanted to maintain my proficiency. So... I was ready to solo in May of 2017, and I didn't actually do it until August. Are we talking about pre-solo or? Pre-solo up to May. Uh-huh. So doing a lot of pattern work, and I was learning in the 182, so it took me a lot more laps in the pattern than I think most people, because it's a little bit faster. Mm. Um, I had a really good instructor for the first part, who then went off to the airlines and the second structure wasn't so good, but, uh, he set the roots, you know, he set the foundation really well. And I got to where I was, I was pretty consistent with them. And then thinking I was going to get my medical any day and it took three months. So I had a lot of time to practice is my point. 
that, you know, I spent that three months not really going anywhere. We'd practice some of uh, the check ride maneuvers, steep turns, S turns and points, turns around a point. But most of that time was spent really just fine tuning the landings. So when I got my medical, it was, you know, this, the day I got my medical is the day that I soloed. Now I will say the day that I soloed, if you look at the chart supplement of Romeo Yankee Yankee, one of the uh, airport remarks is coyotes in and of the vicinity of the area. And both of you have been to Romeo Yankee Yankee, Cobb yeah. Field. Yeah. It's in a pretty industrial area. Yeah. Nice quiet. So, yeah. Uh, our, you know, I mean, not an hour, all, you know, probably eight months of flying there and never seen a coyote. And I taxi out for my first solo, five coyotes in between the taxiway and the runway. <laughs> so I had that thinking, oh, great. This is what I get to dodge on my first solo, a uh, pack of coyotes. And I called up the tower and he said, when you, by the time you get to the end of the runway, they're going to be gone. And he was right. It would, they were gone, uh, as I was taking them. So, but that was it. Uh, I, I greased the first one and then the other two were not greasers, but they, they were stiff, but good landings. So, so it's been downhill ever since you had a greaser and then you're just trying to chase that high. That's right. That's right. I have no idea what I did on that first one. I don't remember anything (laughs) about that first lap of the pattern. Yeah. I have no memory whatsoever. When I watch the solo videos on YouTube, you always hear him say, oh, this plane is so much lighter. It, it felt no different for me whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No different whatsoever. So, I mean, that was my experience. I, I wasn't really nervous just because I had that long buildup waiting on my medical. And so I was super confident by the time I got there. About how many hours did you have by the time you soloed? Uh, I was probably around 45, 50 okay. hours. Yeah. Because you had that delay. Otherwise, because, uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And um, did you do uh, touch and goes or full stop taxi bags? Uh, full stop taxi bags. Um, I did. The, the first one was a full stop taxi back. Then the second was a touch and go. Um, at that time, when we owned the airplane, we were doing a lot of touch and goes in it. But we decided to start babying the engine. And so... We started doing full stop taxi back. So I wanted to do one of each uh, for my first, for my three laps in the pattern. What kind of celebration did your CFI do? Anything? Well, my wife and two of my three kids were there for it, um, which I guess the only other thought I had was, great, my kids are going to watch me yeah. drive this thing into the ground. Yeah. No, um, they do ice baths. Uh, back when the school was owned by two guys, it was ice baths. Mm-hmm. A big bucket, and yeah, you stand there, and they pour, and they waterboard you. They slowly drip <laughs> yes. this bucket of ice water. <laughs> yeah, while you scream bloody murder. Well, because and, you had that delay, and you had sort of extra time and kind of qualifications. Did do you think that that took any shine off of the feeling that you had when it was done? No, no. Um, I would say it, it may have made it shinier because. I, I had to persevere. I had to call the FAA twice a week to find out where it was, the medical area. And, you know, it, it felt better because I had to fight through a lot of stuff, uh, paperwork, red tape. And it just, it felt to me a little bit more gratifying. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 
whether I thought I could do it or not. It was, there's hurdles thrown in front of me and I was able to navigate them and, and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, do you want to hear about mine? I do. I was about to yeah. ask you. I want to, because I don't think neither Ted nor I know anything about your solo story. Yeah. Well, um, the good news is it is, the the full video is on my YouTube channel, which is at Brian Siskind or whatever you can find me. But um, it was a lot um, because I had definitely a, a hard time learning how to land. And I was, you know, I had a lot of frustration. It would, you know, and it's sort of like the light bulb comes on. You think you've got it. Then it all kind of falls apart and, you know, it's that whole kind of thing. I, I guess I had about 24, 25 hours when I soloed. Um, the thing about it though is, you know, as a lot of you know, a lot of what even got me started to flying in the first place was just because of, you know, um, this whole kind of process around receiving my father's old flight bag and then kind of having a, a sort of an idea that maybe I should go and do this. So it was really nerve wracking because I kind of felt the burden of my, you know, even posthumously, right? Like I just had a lot of stuff I was processing with my dad all along that process. And when I was about to go solo, I was, you know, obviously quite nervous or anxious or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, was trying to figure out, you know, what, what would he tell me or, you know, what would he say? Um, and, I think the message I generally kind of got psychically or otherwise was sort of like um, something just quite simple, you know, along the lines of like, you know, just do what you've been trained to do and actually take time to enjoy it kind of thing. Don't, don't uh, get so worried about it, you know, kind of thing. So it turned out though, that the way it all landed, uh, my first solo was on father's day so that was oh, that's right yeah and by the way i'll just say this that you know ahead of time in the couple of weeks prior seeing how this was all kind of shaking out um knowing that solo was coming soon i was kind of i don't know raw you know i, I would watch other people's first solo videos and it was just so overwhelming to me to watch, you know, just the the tension and release of that moment is unlike really anything else, I think, in aviation. And um and I kept kind of visualizing me doing this. And I just thought, man, how am I gonna keep it together? I just feel like I'm gonna be so emotional about it. Right. Um yeah for reasons that are beyond me, it sort of seemed to tap into this kind of grief reservoir that had been left unattended for, you know, 15 years or whatever. And so I just really wanted to do right by him. I really wanted to do well. I really wanted to honor aviation as a, as a skill and as a discipline. And, and then of course it ends up being like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen actually on father's day. And I go up there, you know, it's a perfect day. 6 30 in the morning or whatever uh and i guess it was yeah june of 2021 and uh and the other thing too was that i 
I thought that I might solo the day before or the lesson before, maybe two days before. And we live very close to the airport. So my wife had actually, um, I think, come up thinking that I might solo. I didn't, she didn't tell me though. And then she kind of told me that she was there, but it just, you know, it didn't happen. You know, but luckily I didn't have to coordinate her or whatever. It was just <laughs> right. Like, and we're two minutes away, you know. Um, and then, uh, and then this was sort of the same thing. I just kind of didn't want, I didn't want to have any other things going on, but she was there lurking and shooting some stuff with her cell phone or whatever. But, um, but the way that the actual experience went in terms of the flying, you know, it, it's funny because as a video kind of editor or creator on some level, you know, increasingly, uh, you know, during the training, I was just capturing training all, I was leaving all the fat in there because there's a lot of nuance and all the, fat of your video captures of your lessons. Um, when I made my sort of first solo video, as it were, um, by the way, I started filming lesson one with the mindset of by the time I get to my first solo, I'm not even going to be, I'm going to be so used to just throwing up cameras and leaving them. And I, I think a lot point. of people get into this thing where they all of a sudden go, wait, I want to film this. And I don't think that that's necessarily, if you haven't been doing it all along, I don't think yep. that's the time to start, um, you know, strapping cameras to the the plane, right. but, um, you know, do as you will. So I had, you know, kind of been prepared for that and my instructor was used to it and everything was, you know, so but I just thought it was funny because, you know, you go up and you do the first few landings and you're just hoping that you're on your game and you don't, you know, when you're with the instructor, you know, he, when he's kind of making sure that you're good, you know, I had plenty fine, you know, landings or whatever, I guess. And then, um, you know, we do the pull off, pull over thing and, and, uh, you know, I've got video on my channel. You can see everything from that moment on. And I even, I guess what I was getting at as far as like video creation, I, I wasn't doing it for views in the sense that there's, I knew that the minutia of the, the experience was really what I wanted to keep. It wasn't just about the landings or, or whatever. So when you watch the video, it's, um, I've got the entire taxi the entire run up or probably two run ups that I did or you know <laughs> and triple check the magnetic. Yeah. I I, yeah. I knew that by the third run up everything was good. Uh, <laughs> and uh but just you know just I'm not say I'm not addressing the camera. I'm not there's nothing going on. It's quiet at the airport. And so it's just this kind of I'm just taxing, you know, DeLong taxi and I'm just taxing and taxing. And it's really interesting for me to go back and just kind of read my own kind of expression or, or whatever. Cause I rem I wanted to remember how I felt at that part of it as much as anything else. And I really thought that as soon as my instructor said, see you later and close the door, I really thought that that taxi would be the moment where this is made or, or, or broken <laughs> in terms of just my emotional state, right, or my, right. whatever that I'm carrying around this, you know, and it was really neat because what happened was, and you can really, I think, see it in the video is, I mean, you can almost just see the tunnel vision kind of focus kind of coming in. I was, I wasn't high. I wasn't low. I wasn't worried, but I wasn't unworried. I, you know, I, I was just focused and everything just got to be about what I was doing. And that at that stage, especially you, you don't have any extra bandwidth, you know, right. Um, you know, to do anything else really, uh, at least I didn't. Um, and it worked out perfect. I was just focused and I was kind of, 
but I was aware enough of myself in that moment to, to realize that that's what was happening. And that actually made me feel good that that was my kind of having been trained response. And my training is kicking in, even if I'm just taxing and observing things and getting ready to get into my checklists and whatever. So um, anyway, you know, uh, I, I take off, go around uh, to do my first landing and um and it was a totally good fine landing and just that relief right uh that feeling m- met with and i did touch and goes which in retrospect i don't i think that you should not do touch and goes on your first solo but that's what he told me to do so i just did it um i mean maybe it's better that way just get just keep going you know but anyway right, right. But just that moment of like you get it down and just the relief that you didn't just trash the landing or the plane, but immediately you're already back into that. It's starting to happen fast, you know, and, and you're kind of, so you kind of feel like, okay, I've got one under my belt. And then you have this internal voice, you know, sort of like, well, this is going to be then where it all comes apart, you know, because, <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah. the devil and the angel on your shoulders. Going <laughs> right. Well, get ready because right. here it comes. But ultimately, yeah. you've got so many things that you're doing one step at a time. Right. You know, right. you just, you kind of don't have enough bandwidth to really freak out. And then, um, well, and you're doing you the can... same thing that you've been doing all along. It's that whole yes. thing, like you've been trained into this. And so now this is, yeah. this is no big deal. You're, you're and I've been, I've been verbal- right? yeah. And I've been verbalizing everything that I was doing in the plane f- as a habit in training. Um, so, you know, you'll see me in the video, I'm calling out everything. I, I only made a couple of goofy little mistakes and maybe some of the calls or nothing crazy. Um, but here's the, so, all right. So then I come around, I do the second landing. It's fine. And then, uh, and now I'm coming back up and I remember when I was on the downwind for the third landing, I had confidence now at this point, like I'm almost done. And I realized that I hadn't taken time to really take it all in. And I just remember there was just that when I was about midfield downwind on my third lap, I just remember, and you can see it in the video, there was about, I swear it must be three or four seconds. You can just see it where I kind of, you can see my shoulders kind of come down. I kind of look out the other direction and I see the fog laying down in the valley and everything. And I was just taking it all in, just the beauty of it and thinking about my dad or whatever. And then boom, it's like, you know, pull the power flaps, you know, carb heat, doing <laughs> right. all the things. You just kind of get right back into it. And so then I'm, but here's the thing. And if you go watch this video, you'll, you'll hear this. There was one plane that came in. He announced himself. I want to say like eight miles out or something on a, on a straight end, of course. Right. And, and I think it was a, I want to say it was an extra or something. It was a a very fast plane, but I didn't know what that was at right. the time. I just knew that there was a plane coming. I was just making calls, making calls, making calls. Because you're I, untowered at this point, right? Yeah, untowered. John Toon right. hadn't, hadn't, the tower wasn't built yet. Yeah, okay. it opened up not long after that. Okay. So, so yeah, it's untowered. And I remember hearing somebody's it was the only thing that came in over the radio it was so early on i think a sunday morning or whatever and and i remember just thinking i can't i don't see this guy i don't see him and he didn't make any other calls and i mean for good or for bad i mean i just thought i don't know where he is 
I didn't have the gumption or the pilot wherewithal at that stage to say, hey, dude, tell me, <laughs> where, where are you? Yeah, you yeah. Know, I didn't have any feeling that I could you know, do that at that stage for what, you know, for better, for worse. That's just where I, you know, I was just so, I couldn't handle yeah. anything else. Like really. you said earlier, bandwidth. Yeah. You're focused on flying the airplane and flying the airplane is all you can focus on. Yeah. And yeah. so that's, and that's what I did. And, but there was this awkward time space between this guy saying that he was 10 miles out or eight miles out or whatever. And I think that, and I'm, I'm turning and I'm looking for him and I don't see him. I'm just continuing on. Cause I just, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he's five miles away or if he's already landed. I don't know. Right. And like I said, I just didn't have the gumption to just say, Hey, where are you? So then, uh, I remember how relieved I was when I, the next call he made was said that he was, you know, turning off the runway. I never <laughs> saw him, never saw him. He must've come in at like 150 knots. Like I don't, I, I never, ever saw him, but I just and no other calls. Yeah. Yeah. And it's on, it's, it's on the video. Check the yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm missing, maybe there was one I'm missing. I don't, I, th I think that he didn't say anything after his initial call, but anyway, my brain couldn't process it at least. So yeah. But I just remember thinking, of course, there's just like, everything is just smooth air. Perfect. Everything is just so easy. This is happening. I'm almost done. And then now this one guy's coming in and I don't know who he is, what he is, where he is, you know, but it was yeah. fine. I didn't, you know, I just, I just thought, well, I'll see him if he's in the way, which is not really the best thing to think, but that's how I was yeah. thinking. But yeah. that's a valuable experience. It, it would have been nice to have that maybe 15, 20 hours after your first solo. Yeah. But I mean, you know, traffic avoidance on your solo is, is, is a kind of a heavy load, but you handled yeah. it. I mean, well, it's almost, it almost threw me off how quiet it was because the training environment I was in there was so hectic that you had right. to kind of be all over the place with make, you know, and there was something about just, I guess maybe there was some subconscious part of my brain that just thought, oh, the airport, the, the airport will just shut down while I'm soloing, <laughs> you know, right. but, um, but anyway, so then I, I came in and I, I had my, my third landing and it was fine. And, um, and then I just remember on the rollout. It just, it all hit me. And then I just thought, please don't get upset. Just enjoy it. And, uh, I even verbalized out loud. I was, I just said, you know, that was for, for you, dad. And then I just yeah. pulled off and then I taxied up and then my instructor comes in and congratulates me. And I remember that I, you know, he said, you know, you did it or whatever. And I said, yeah, you don't have to hear about it from me anymore. Cause I just had been like, <laughs> I want a solo, like I should get this done. So, um, but anyway, I didn't collapse in a ball of tears like I thought I would. I just really felt good and and it was it was a it was a great experience and it was um really cool to find out right after that my wife was there and she oh, did yeah. capture you know she nice. I didn't have the burden of thinking that she's there but she was there. Uh so that was really perfect and um any and shirt then, cutting or ice baths or any other cut, Yeah. Did the shirt tail thing and Perfect. um and um and, you know, one of the coolest things was, especially at that time, uh, at this stage now in this community, we have a lot of conversations with a lot of aviation creators and personalities and people and whatever. But at the time, it just seemed really cool that uh, Flight Chops was on my YouTube channel when I posted that video <laughs> and said, you know, he said something about like, you have really, you know, like great job, you know, good centerline discipline. Oh, nice. 
And I thought, that's so great. Thank you, because that's something that I'm obsessed with and have been even at that early stage. And for him to recognize that uh, was just kind of neat. Right. So all told, it was a great experience. Um, but we'll get past the, we want to hear your story, Ted. But So, but, I mean, looking back at it, when you hear somebody that says student solo, you know, even when they don't say first solo, right? But, you, you know, any version of student and solo on the radio, it's kind of your, my responsibility at that point to, to look out. Like, I don't expect them to be doing their part of, yeah. of traffic management, you know, like yeah. they're, they're doing as much as they can. Like, yeah, <laughs> I remember yeah. being there, you know, yeah. so hopefully, hopefully that extra pilot or whoever it was, was, uh, was doing that. I guess you just want to be invisible, but all this to be said, and I want to hear about your, your story, Ted, but, um, <laughs> but, the thing I realized not long after is that the real first solo is after that. When you go take the keys to the plane yourself, yeah. pre-flight it yourself from a cold start, take it out and leave the airport yeah, and come back. Uh, but that does not take away from anything from that first experience. Uh, there's nothing. Everybody has, everybody un, you know, universally says that's something you always remember and it's 100% true. So if you, you haven't gotten oh, yeah. there yet, if you haven't gotten there yet, you will, and it'll be worth it. Yeah. Do you think your first cross country put a bigger smile on your face than your first solo? Kind of. I, I would totally agree with you. I was super happy, but there was a kind of, when I got home and I really started processing how I was feeling, I was like, okay, great. I can take a plane and, and fly it in a pattern. That's awesome. You know, I have the ability to control this airplane and get it on the ground but I want to go places. Yeah. And when I got back from my first cross country, I oh, felt yeah. like, okay, this is really happening now. Yeah. Well, and the cross country is the first time that without an instructor, the first solo cross country yeah, yeah. is the first time that there are spaces of time that you're in the plane. You're not, you're not doing things, you know, you yeah. have a second to catch your breath and, you know, uh, yeah, so so let me tell mine. Uh, it, it was in March 2022, uh, and you know that it's not a good time when um, the, uh, the the weather people are talking about it being, uh, you know, record-setting rain, and, mm -hmm. you know, in that month. So it was one of those, you know, it's like canceling two out of three flights, you know, just just the struggle with that, and yeah. So, but I, I told my instructor, it's like, look, you're going away at the end of March for like 10 days, seven days, whatever. I want to solo before then. And, uh, you know, we were getting close and everything else. And, uh, you know, a couple of setbacks, had trouble finding, a, a the second instructor to, to kind of do a, a pre-solo check, which they like to do at that school. Uh, so we finally get that done. And, uh, I didn't expect that it was going to happen on that specific flight, which is always, you know, I, I saw a few people talking about it in the, in the comments. And what, know, I'm sorry, what plane was this? So this is in the RV 12. Um, okay. So it's the, the low wing with the bubble top um, that I did all my training in. And uh, so I, I know my instructor had been gone all day ferrying a plane across the state and flying back with someone else. And, you know, he was fitting me at the end of the day, you know, for our scheduled flight, but he was late for it and everything else. I'm like, we're just going to knock out a couple of landings and, and this is it. 
And so we do, we knock out three landings. He's like, Hey, I got to take a bio break. Well, you know, watching the, the uh, GoPro footage afterward, you can see him uh, signing the endorsement in ForeFlight on his phone, you know, which is such a brilliant way to do it. Right. Um, That's awesome. And, uh, you know, drops me off and says, you know, go solo now, obviously. And uh, so speaking of traffic in the, uh, in the pattern though, I, I take off, this is the little airport uh, that butts up against a, a busy Delta. And so you always have to make your, your crosswind turn pretty quick. I've got to make my crosswind turn. I look down and I see, I see two lights over there. And so I, I turn opposite. I'm like, I don't know who this is that's not calling in. Let me just, let me just bail and figure it out. And I kind of look back and I, you know, turn back so I can see it a little bit. And then I realize that, um, I just, uh, avoided the field lights, you know, from like a, a football field, this right there. So, you know, so I, I, you can see it on my pattern where I just do like this thing and nobody has to know that. Um, so, you know, uh, other than that three, you know, fairly typical landings, uh, in it, it's a short field. So it's obviously a, a land and taxi back. There's nobody ever does a, uh, uh, touch and go off that field. It's 2,600 feet, 2,400, something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, but, uh, because it's such a small field, your instructor gets to walk down there, you know, almost against the runway of a narrow runway and stand there right about where you're going to land. So there's a lot of pressure on that. Like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not watching it from a mile away. You're, you know, you're 40 feet away right at where the wheels are coming down. So, you know, there's, there's all the pressure on that. But so, you know, he, he had some, uh, you know, I had my GoPro go and he, um, uh, record a little bit of, of stuff on his iPhone and, uh, you know, come back in, you know, celebrate all that and then cut the shirt, you know, sign it and everything else. And yeah. So it was at, um, 35 hours. I, and, uh, the number to me that's more important is that it was at a hundred landings. Um, I saw somebody in the comments talking about doing it at 50 landings. And I think that's kind of the range, right? You know, is that 50 to a hundred? Um, I'm a slow learner. That's fine. And, uh, um, yeah. Well, you so, didn't really figure it out until what, a couple of months ago. Oh, I'm still working on figuring out landings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. Oh, um, it's all good. I actually um, turned that, that t-shirt cutting into a tattoo afterward. So, it, oh, nice. it even has the uh, the imperfect lines of the runway that were drawn with a sharpie on, oh, on neat. fabric. So, you, you know, nobody really knows when they see it. That, that's why it's not quite perfect, but it's it's literally just off the off the shirt. If you so. get all of your credentials tattooed, do you think that would help you in a ramp check situation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have my solo date and my uh, check ride dates on there, and yeah, I think that would help. Right. You get ramp checked and you're like, here, it's you know, not, you're like, look right here. ELT <laughs> September. Okay. Come on. Admittedly. I also have my, uh, uh, my, uh, wedding date on there, which is really handy to remember. Yeah. That's a smart, that's a pro tip for <laughs> pro tip. Ninja level move. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, I, I think, I, um, I remember my instructor yeah. saying, Oh, make sure to wear a shirt. You don't mind getting cut. And it's like, Sam, it doesn't any shirt I'm fine parting with. Right. <laughs> Right. There's, there's no shirt that, that means more and, you know, that has more value. I mean, how, how much are you paying for a plane? You know, even if you have a $70 shirt, 
that you cut is still less than your rental. Like, you know, wow. so I, I, I just had a t-shirt idea for the, our midlife pilot t-shirts. We need to make one that's got a template in the back. Oh, that is brilliant. Where it oh, can be cut out. Cut line. Here. Yeah. yeah. Like and it. then have a line for airport code, a line for the date. Yeah, we should make we should make one that's just what, like the cheapest possible material and everything. You know, it's just like the yeah. I oh. think that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> the the one other thing that we were going to bring up is, um, and I'll get to a couple of comments in the chat. Uh, I like Jody's check right date is my wedding anniversary. So the question is: is which do you associate with which? Do you memorize your check ride date and go, oh yeah, that's my wedding anniversary? Or do you do, do it the other way around? Do you don't answer to it though? Yes. Yes, exactly. My um, my check ride day was uh is my wife's birthday. And so that was um nerve-wracking because she just she knew this is either gonna be like, you know, Brian's gonna be in a very good, <laughs> positive, thrilled kind of space, or he's going to be completely dejected and, and yeah. miserable on my birthday. It's gonna go one way or the other. So she, my birthday present to her was passing my check ride. Yeah. Nice. I um did my instrument check ride on the anniversary of my mom's death. Mm. Yeah. And and I kind of uh empathize with your story with your dad because I didn't really put two and two together until I, literally it popped into my head during the check ride. Wow. Yeah. And it, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, but then I kind of felt like, okay, I really kind of think that I have somebody watching over me. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, it was a smooth check ride. So, um, I did kind of get a little emotional on the flight back home without the DP in there. Yeah. Um, That's I was going to get, I was going to get to the one of the feedbacks uh, from yeah. Dan B, 42-year-old here, around 70 hours, and recently passed my PPL, a license nice. to learn for sure. I've taken some friends up, and I have to say the last few, flight, uh, last few flights, I felt like I've spooked myself. Have you all done any episodes on being spooked or how to get over the jitters and decision? I've read The Killing Zone. And maybe I'm just a bit tense from that. Um, my, my initial reaction to that was, is I think having that tensity from reading that book is a good thing. Yeah. I, I think the jitters are perfectly natural, uh, especially for that first 300 hours, 100 hours, whatever. Um, I, I mean, I've had my moments of my long cross-country solo on PPL. Um, I... I don't, I guess it was winds, but I went up to 8,500 feet. And so I had it leaned out pretty far and I start my descent into uh, RYY and I did not put a uh, rich in the mixture. And I heard sputtering in the engine. And um, needless to say, uh, it spooked me and we kicked myself for not doing my checklist or being diligent with my checklist. And I figured it out, but you learn from that. And I think. And and I, I want to get y'all's opinions, but getting spooked and or getting the jitters, I think is is an excellent learning tool. Oh yeah, I, it's a necessary thing. I think that uh, one dull geek's comment here uh, is spot on. I think the lesson from the killing zone is that you're most dangerous when you lose the jitters. I fully agree with that. I think. A lot of things are about how you frame them 
mentally. And I think that we're conditioned to think that the jitters or nerves are a negative thing. But in reality, it's something that you should pay attention to and value and appreciate while also managing healthily. And there will be times where it's not even outright jitters, but it's the same kind of energy. You'll be totally confident, feeling like you got everything all together. You're doing all your checklists. You're doing all your things. The weather's fine. Everything's fine. And then you're going to have moments where all of a sudden you kind of get this injection of wait, everything's going fine. So there must be something I'm missing or <laughs> there's exactly something, right. you know, so it's, it's an inescapable thing. But what I think it is, is your subconscious continually probing, probing you to sort of make sure that you're aware of the stakes and keeping you alert and aware. And over time, uh, that'll happen. All that being said too, I mean, you know, OG midlife pilot, Chris Moran has a great video about, uh, and talked a lot about in previous episodes of the podcast about, um, there's times where he would, he would go, he would put cameras on the plane and get everything all set up and get all his stuff dialed in and strap into the plane or whatever, and just go, Nope, I'm not feeling it. And it's awesome. It's such a great example of, you know, you also don't have to endure those feelings um, to your own detriment, right? Like, you know, the beauty of being a midlife pilot is that we never have to fly ever for any reason, ever for anything, ever. And if you ever find yourself in a position where you feel like you have to do something, then you've created some sort of an unnecessary external pressure for yourself or something because we, it's all gravy flying. It's not anything, uh, you know, I understand that people have trips planned and expectations and the kids want to go or whatever, but you don't have to. Even with all that, you got to just really listen to yourself. So I would say uh, with that feedback, it's great uh, to share that kind of stuff and just talk about it. And it's real easy to um, perceive or at least think that what you're perceiving is that you're in a community or around all these people that everybody kind of knows what's going on. And I'm the only one that maybe has these sort of nerves or whatever. And you got to know that uh, it's, it's all of us and all over the place. And everybody's had moments of doubt or concern that are either founded or unfounded. Yeah. I did. If you'll throw up copper text um, message in there, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, go ahead and do that one first. Yeah. So copper text has hundred hours and still find myself getting spooked on cross countries when I realize I'm actually doing it. I, I, that is the beauty of the midlife community. I felt that way at a hundred hours. I think we, a lot of us do. I'm not going to say all, but yeah, that's, but again, that's part of the progression as I think Brian was trying to say. Mm. Yeah. You, it, it's, you get to the point where you know enough to know what you don't know. And, and also being midlife where you don't just, uh, <clears throat> you don't just uh, run into things. It, you, you actually realize that perhaps you need to think through it first and then you do and then your brain gets in the way um i uh, and by the way it's episode 16 um talking about um fear 
on the podcast. And so we'll link yep. to that one. Suggest so going back and listen to that as well. Yep. Um, the, uh, the, the terms to use instead of saying panic is uh, startle and surprise. And there's actually a difference between the two, but you know, that's, those are aviation terms because then you can't, you don't say you had a panic attack in the plane. I, I definitely had, I had one moment where in, in early training where something happened totally unexpected and, um, it was just a plane like going underneath me and when I'm in the pattern and, uh, and you just instantly get that, that, that panic, just that, you know, <laughs> right. for me, it's like, um, my mouth goes dry and, and it's like, okay, fly the plane, you know, right. <laughs> and and I have, I've had that maybe twice since then, mostly for no reason, but you know, just those, uh, you know, you feel like you're being chased by a coyote sort of feeling, right? whether it's real or not, you know, and, and that's part of it is learning. Okay. What is this? What's going on? Work through this. Yeah. You also find ways, you know, we were talking about the, uh, last comment about hundred hours and getting spooked a little bit on cross country sometimes it's it's important to understand that 100 hours is not a lot of time um it may feel like cuz it's been a slog to kind of get that done i'm not under undermining that i guess it's just insane the exponential growth that happens between 100 hours and say 200 250 hours because you're finally putting all that energy into doing a lot of cross country flying. And, and if you have a hundred hours and you probably got your license or certificate at say 60 hours or 70 hours or whatever, you've barely done anything that you were trained to do yet. And so when you finally get out there and start doing it and you're kind of just on your own, everything still takes a lot of bandwidth, a lot of, you know, it's really easy to get kind of saturated or miss things or, or whatever. And, and you just got to stay uh, vigilant about checklists and all that. And I think that for me, um, just do stretching my boundaries healthily and, and really doing that stuff in a calculated way. And if you have a methodology, I think about growing your experience, you know, and saying, okay, well, I went this far to this type of airport. So now I'm going to go, you know, I want to go an hour and 45 minutes now instead of an hour and 20 minutes and see how that feels or, you know, whatever it is. And, um, you know, I think that, at the end of it, it's, and especially in the cross country modality, I'm so much better now at communications, understanding the cues and the sounds of the airplane, uh, navigation. I just, I'm so much better at all those things. So it doesn't feel nearly as taxing and it feels a little bit more like muscle memory and kind of instinctual, which then frees me up to do two things. One, constantly be judging where am I going to go when the engine fails. Right. And, so I, and so, cause I think when you're just starting out in cross country things, right. You're, you're sort of like, I'm just trying to fly the plane. I'm trying to do all the things. Oh, wait, you know, where am I going to go if the engine, it's like one other thing, you know, so right, right. everything else is so under control. You can kind of just casually always be having a plan, planning your outs. It becomes more methodical as you go. And then you, you also figure out, how to deal with that uh, dead time, right? There's moments where you don't have anything necessarily quote unquote to do. Have your flow checks, run another flow check That's right. or uh, figure out what you can do to get ahead or play the game of, I, I wonder where my next handoff is going to be or, 
or, you know, there's just always something generally that you can be doing, even if it seems completely ridiculous to be doing it this far ahead of the game. It just feels good to be using that energy productively when you're feeling that way. So uh, to put an exclamation point on it and maybe to kind of wrap it up, um, an experience this this past weekend. Um, so I'm a little over 960 hours. And I had my brother-in-law with me. He's probably got 19,000 hours. At, in, in the 100 hours of Coppertex, it is a lot of hours. But until you've flown in all four seasons of weather, mm. cross-country by yourself, you're really not going to understand the weather briefing until you go out there and experience it. And even at my time, my brother-in-law and I, Stuart, we looked at that weather very closely because it was IFR for 70% of the trip. I, I had 1.1 hours uh, IMC. It's, the cold front was moving in. We knew where the freezing level was. But even as long as I've been flying for five years and I've experienced the seasons many times, I still wanted a backup. I still wanted somebody to say, are you looking at this the same way that I am? I don't think that ever goes away, and I don't think it should ever go away. Um, I, I, I think that experience is going to continue throughout my flying career, and I, I plan to keep it that way on purpose. And, and that assessment of the weather was before I hit my head, not after <laughs> I get the point of that. So, um, I mean, that's, I think it's like we said earlier, it's a natural progression to get the jitters and to really, I think you need to keep the jitters. I think you need to hold on to them. So, Yeah. A, a couple of things. Um, I, I'd asked um, Chris C because I knew that he was one of our um, pilots who soloed at the, at the lowest number of hours. And he said he had 16 hours. So I think that it, it you know, the, the hours aren't everything, but it's a, it's also a, a good gauge. You're certainly probably thinking about it when you're, when you're pre-solo to solo time period is when am I going to be ready? And so we've seen numbers between 16 and a hundred, which is fine. That, that, that shows you that, that range. And, uh, uh, Wendell Geek said he was at 25 hours when he did his, um, and again, 109 landings. That's my, my theory of it's a hundred landings, not the hours that, that matter. Um, I, uh, the, the other thing is that I, the, the whole, and this is how life is in, in general, but you're working toward higher level thinking as you go through flying. So if you think about when you soloed or when you're getting ready to solo and you're thinking about that, you've already gotten used to some of those things just becoming automatic, right? You, you can hold, um, hold altitude without thinking physically through every move on the yoke or the stick. Right. And, and so that's what happens is you're working toward your solo. And then after that, you're working toward all those, all those things being kind of cumulative. And so by the time you're at, at cross country, you're not thinking about those things you're thinking about on your solo, right? It's, it's just kind of working your right. way up. And, right. and so I just think that's a, a good way to think about that is it, it's, it's fine that you're at that point when you're, when you're trying to solo, which is I saw all this stuff I have to think through and remember and 
communicate and all that. You just work your way up as, as you go through your training. That's right. So that I just want to kind of wrap it up with that. That's awesome. Um, next week, I think we're going to talking about, this is kind of selfish for me, but um, <laughs> we've gotten two or three uh, emails asking about binders. Uh, we'd mentioned it on a previous show and um, check ride binders to be more specific. Uh, walking into the exam completely prepared. I have a check ride coming up on December 15th. If all goes yeah. according to plan and I have built my binder, but I am really curious to hear from our midlife community. Um, please send in your feedback. Uh, if you've done binders in the past, tell us, um, you know, it's basic construction. What do you, what has helped you out? What would you change? What would you do different? Uh, we have some comments in our, uh, discord server. Uh, but we'd like to hear from the the larger community. So email us, please, at midlifepilot, that's midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it'll be in our show notes. And um, uh, I did not make binders for my private or my instrument, yeah, but I am yeah. definitely doing it uh, for the commercials. So uh, we'd like to talk about that next week. So I would just like to be congratulated or commended for having not said at any point around this conversation anything to do with Mitt Romney. <laughs> Binders full of check rides. <laughs> um, I give you my heartiest mazel tov. Right on. Yes. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Uh, so again, um, if you want to follow us, uh, or I'm sorry, if you want to support us, please uh, check out and the do we do's, the show notes. Uh, follow us. Uh, check out Brian Siskin's YouTube page. Uh, at Brian Siskin. Uh, probably one of the most under-celebrated YouTubers out there. Uh, if you like something with uh, content, something that'll make you think, something that... Uh, it's it's my I can't wait till I get to the next one. Always it's always the next one. I'm, I ate up my Brian Siskin video, so uh, he's one Appreciate of the best. That. Absolutely. Um, anything else for the good of the water, gentlemen? Subscribe to the pod. Uh, support us. Merch at store.midlifepilotpodcast.com. dot com. And uh, yeah, pity, pity us on occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're just trying to keep the ship afloat, people. Uh, there, this is not uh, not going in our pocketbooks, I can promise you. Yeah. Uh, so with that, we're going to sign off episode 51. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in the stream, and we will see you next Tuesday. Good night, everybody. Good night.